Welcome to Christian Renewal Church Sunday Sermon. Thanks for tuning into our series, Christocentric, based out of our study on the book of Philippians. For more information about this sermon and other resources, please visit christianrenewalhhi.org. Well, I'm super honored to be here this morning. Um, Thank you so much for that really, really sweet intro. Um, I'd also like to thank, I know they're not here, but um, Pastor Caleb and Haley. um, Man, be praying for them this week. I know there's something super special about when you get to go away. It's like fresh perspectives able to come. You're able to back up a little bit. And so we're believing for fresh vision and reinvigorated strength and positioning um, for the days ahead for them. Um, I'm just, yeah, I'm excited. So um, let's get right into it this morning um, and pray. (laughs) Lord, we just thank you um, for that you are here. God, we thank you that you're the God of who does amazing things in the lives of his people. And God, I just, I just ask right now that you would um, move up and down the aisles, Holy Spirit, that you would come and minister to every heart, no matter where they're at, no matter how far they feel, no matter how close they're at. God, I thank you that there's always more. And God, that you would draw them and pull them in and speak to them, and lead them, bring comfort where any comfort needs to happen. And God, we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, Pastor Caleb has been preaching, um, if you're not aware of this, he's been preaching the last little while on this theme of repentance. Um, just FYI, if you didn't know that. Is. <laughs> and so, um, but this, this message of repentance and um, kind of putting things in order and priority with God in our life is this theme that it's not just for the repent, for repentance sake that he's preaching it. Um, I believe it's because the Lord is coming. <laughs> There's an, a visitation of the Lord that is coming. He doesn't propel our hearts to seek him in such a way um, unless he, he, it's because there's a promise of his coming. <laughs> there's an anticipation in the air. And um, one of the, I was listening to a story. Um, actually, I was, there was a biography going on um, about Yosemite National Park this last week, and I'll tie this in, I promise, to where I'm going this morning. Um, but in Yosemite, there is a, um, back in 1872, they used to have this event literally seven days a week, um, all throughout the summer, and it lasted for about almost, almost a century long, okay? And what they used to do was have this event called Firefall. And what would happen is um, about, at about 7 o'clock, someone at the very tippy top of Glacier Point in Yosemite National Park would begin to burn down fire and, and cause the, this fire to become embers, these roasting hot pile of embers, so that at 9 o'clock on the dot, they had it down to a science. It's crazy. This is, this is legit history, okay? This really happened. So what happened was at 
at nine o'clock, someone from the very, because located at the base of, um, the, uh, Glacier Point was actually a camp and it was called Camp Curry. And so each night people from all over would gather and they'd come out with this expectation for the fire to fall. And here's how it would be set up was someone at the base camp would begin to cry out to someone on at the very tippy top of Glacier Point, and then they'd say, hello, Glacier Point. And someone from the tippy top of Glacier Point would yell out, and they'd say, hello, Camp Curry. And then someone from the base camp would say, is the fire ready? And someone from the tippy top of Glacier Point would say, the fire's ready. And then someone with a booming, shouting voice, I probably could have done it. They would have said, they would, they said this, then let the fire fall. And at exactly nine o'clock every night, that fire, what they would do is they would take those, that pile of burning embers and they would push it off the cliff so that it would create a waterfall-like effect of fire. How crazy is that? That actually happened. <laughs> and I love this story because as I'm, I was watching this, um, this story about this this week, I feel like we're in a season where God is looking um, to, he's looking for the preparation of his people because he's looking to pour out some fresh fire. And there's something that was stirring on the inside of me all this week. I kept hearing this phrase of, God, just let the fire fall. God, I want my heart to burn for you. I want my heart to be lit on fire. Let your fire fall. Because throughout the Old Testament and New, fire is indicative of the presence of God, the glory of God, right? The direction of God. And in the New Testament, how many know tongues of fire came down on the early church Acts in the beginning of Acts, right? And it was also indicative of the Holy Spirit's explosive power available to the church. I don't know about you, but we need some of that. <laughs> and so the story, the where I want to go this morning is I want to go to a story in Matthew chapter 25. Now in Matthew 24, Jesus' disciples, Jesus is getting ready to depart and he's, um, his disciples are asking him this very um, important question. They say, Jesus, what is the sign of your return, of your coming again, and what will be the sign of the end of the age? And his response to them in Matt is, he goes through, and you can go through and read uh, Matthew 24, and he goes out thing after thing after thing that will be indications of the sign of his coming. But in Matthew 25, he, give, he t- begins to tell a series of stories. And it says this in Matthew 25, verse 1. It says, the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was 
delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all the virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. And the wise answered saying, no, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourself. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came and those who went, who were ready, went with him to the wedding and the door was shut. Afterwards, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the son of man is coming. You know, it's very interesting to me that these two, these ten virgins, there were five wise and five foolish. The five wise had paid the price to get oil. They weren't just, they all, and what's interesting is up till the point of the bridegroom coming, all of them looked exactly the same. You couldn't tell any, you, you, it was hard to actually distinguish between who was wise and who was foolish until he came. But in that moment, all of a sudden, the picture begins to shift. And we realize that very quickly, it's made very aware very quickly that there's something lacking in the life of five of these virgins or bridegrooms or bridesmaids. And I feel like the Lord this morning is he's, I feel like he's stirring us up to, to, to fresh hunger this morning because he's wanting to pour out fresh fire. There's something about, you know, in, in the timeline of eternity, there are things set in motion by the Lord. There are things on God's timetable. And I feel like we're in a season right now where God is, where you can feel this anticipation and he's calling us to a place of preparation because all of creation is is coming together and saying listen it's time to rise up it's time to trim your lamps and it's time to it's time to awaken because he the sound of the bridegroom is coming it wasn't until his call to wake up they were all slumbering But all of a sudden the call came to wake up and I believe we are in a season of awakening that's happening in the earth. And I feel like we're also come with that comes a season of distinction where he begins to reveal those who simply profess to know him. Those, listen, we've got a lot of people walking around claiming to know Christ, claiming to be followers of Jesus. But let me tell you something. It's just outward appearance. There's no inward oil. There's no inward uh, spirit of the living God that has rested upon their life and made home in their life. This passage, when you look at it and read it, it's, it's sobering. But I don't know that it's not supposed to be. 
Because I feel like it's to provoke us to a place that says, God, I want my, I don't know about you, but I want to be one of the wise bridesmaids, the virgins who said, Lord, I want to be on fire when you come. In the 17, in the 1700s, the, up in New England, the, the colonists who had come and they had, um, uh, settled the land and feared God, they gave place to um, a generation who forsook God, <laughs> forgot about God, and be- instead began to, um, you know, cling to immorality, you know, and all this stuff. And during that time, people began to lose interest in the church. And so in the church's effort to bring people into the church, one of the things that they began to do is they instituted this, this thing called halfway covenant. And what happened was, is that they said, you could come into the church. You don't have to change. You don't have to, you don't have to do anything, but, and, and we can, we'll promise you all the benefits of someone who's totally surrendered their life to Christ, except you just can't partake of Holy Communion. And so during that time, people came, the churches were full, but the power of God left the church. And so what happened was during this time, God began to rise, raise up fresh leaders. And it was leaders from unexpected places. It wasn't people that you would have expected to step up. And in this little Northampton church, in Massachusetts, God began to raise up a man named Jonathan Edwards. And in that place, this man, who, full of the fire of God, who had been pressing in in the secret place, who had been contending for a move of God, who had been pressing in for more of who God is, all of a sudden, God began to use this man as a mouthpiece and, and history would record that this was one of the first times that someone was referred to as a new light. A new light in that generation. And, and they referred to the leaders who, the old leaders as old lights. And I love this because I feel like, listen, God's answer for the hour that we're living in It is never to lower the standards of what, it's never to lower the standards and it's never to compromise the gospel we preach. Revival is never going to happen because we lower the standards and compromise the message we preach. It's going to happen because God is setting ablaze and pouring out fresh fire on those who are unwilling to compromise and who are unwilling to settle and have given them their whole life. That's still the way that God moves among a nation. You know, it's interesting that they cry out in this, in, in a certain, in season where they cry out to him, to the other, um, the ones who had purchased oil. They, these, the foolish, the foolish virgins cry out to those who have paid the price for fresh oil. And I believe that in the context of this story, He's, ca- he's talking about the oil of intimacy, that there's an intimacy that, these, that, that they had paid the price to get. 
You know what? There's a lot of things that, that us as preachers, we as preachers and, and ministers of the gospel that we can give one another, that we can impart to you, that we can um, lead you into. But there is one thing I cannot give you, and that is an intimate relationship with God. Because the only one who can do that is you. The only one who has the ability to stir up and pursue God is you. I can't give you that. They could not give them the oil that they needed in that hour. And I wanna encourage you too, because I feel like in the context of this story, I also wanna speak to, um, I feel like it's also exhorting um, those who are following hard after the Lord. And I wanna encourage you that there are moments in our life where God is wanting to do new things. He's wanting to pour out fresh oil. And, and where we're at is just not good enough, no matter where we're at. <laughs> Even if we're running hard after him and he's calling us to a place of greater intimacy, greater levels of, of knowing him and dependency upon him. And you know what? Because sometimes, and I don't know about you, but there are, there are moments where, can I just be real honest? We, are, we can so easily come in to a service like we are at today. We can come in, we can say all the right things. We can sing all the songs that they're singing. We can lift our hands the way that everybody else is and still leave without God having the one thing he desires from you today. And that's you. That's your heart. And I feel like we're in a season right now where God is saying, listen, I'm calling you to a place of wholeheartedness because I'm coming. Because the hour we're in requires fresh, fresh oil because you need to be on fire. It is dark and we need people who are burning in this moment. I remember when I was... Um, you know, I'm not, hear me, I'm not preaching. I don't want to feel like I'm preaching at you this morning. I'm preaching to the choir because I have been in a place in my life where I felt like I was good. And I felt like the Lord was actually challenging me because my good had actually become familiar. And I didn't realize that my good had actually become complacent. And instead of pursuing, I was coasting. And I remember when I was about 18 years old, I've gone to um, school in Tulsa. Um, I was actually going to Bible school, okay? And I was also part of a program called in-ministry training. So I was, um, I mean, I was doing stuff for God literally all day long. Like I was waking up early in the morning. Actually, the program I was involved with, they had from seven o'clock to eight o'clock, they actually designated to us that we had a mandatory fire time. Literally, we had a fire time with God. They, they called it that. And it was our devotional time where they're like, listen, you get alone with God. You spend time with him. Can I be honest? During that season, it looked more like sleep time. It looked more like let's get breakfast time. And so we'd have our fire time and then we'd go to school during the day till about 12. We'd get home, get eat lunch real quick. And then as my I had I was on a team, so our team would go out and do ministry until like seven, eight, nine o'clock at night. And this was like five days a week. And then sometimes we were gone on the weekends and ministering around the country. And and so I just remember literally that season, I was always tired, like always tired. And 
Um, and on top of it all, um, I was also living in a two-bedroom apartment with five girls. <laughs> I never got any sleep, and I never had any time to myself. So I just remember those two things being so valuable to me. I was like, God, just time and sleep. If I could just get like more and like anytime I could had a chance to get it, I was like, I am taking it. And so, um, there was, I remember it was a couple months into the program. I am lying in bed and I wake up out of nowhere and I'm look over at my alarm clock and all of a sudden I see that it's five o'clock. So of course my first thought is, all right, more time to sleep get it, Michelle. And so I am, I, I'm getting ready to roll back over into my bed and I feel the Holy Spirit saying, spend time with me. And I remember being like, all right, later. <laughs> you know, and as I'm rolling back into bed and curling up, all of a sudden I hear the Holy Spirit say, James 4, 8. And at the time I didn't know the verse. And so it was kind of enough to pique my curiosity. And I'm like, James 4, 8. What does that mean? And so this is before iPhones. And so I pull out my literal Bible <laughs> and I look and I'm like, okay, let me flip open, see what he says, and then I'll go back to bed. And so I flip it open. And of course it says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. And I remember sitting there going, <sighs> I, know what you're, I know what you're after right now. I knew he was inviting me into something. And I remember in that moment, their conversation went something like this. But God, I'm spending all day with you. I'm spending all day with you. And I knew he was still asking me for more. And so what I did, and I'm, you have to remember, two-bedroom two apartment, five girls. I wake up and I'm like, okay, God. Well, if I wake up any of my roommates, they're going to kill me. So where am I supposed to go? Because my roommate, my, my apartment was literally so tiny. And so I'm, I'm walking and I'm like, all right, Lord, where? And I go into the kitchen where we're at, a tiny little kitchen. And there's like this pantry where there's a door you could shut. And so I was like, fine. So I remember just going in, sitting on the floor and having this, like, I remember just sitting there going, okay, God. What now? And can I tell you, there was something that I will never forget about that moment. Because that moment was about so much more than God being after my time. It was about so much more than the sacrifice of my sleep. There was something that he got that day that he hadn't had for a while. And that was my whole heart. He was after something that was way more valuable than my sacrifice. He was after my full and undivided attention. Listen, there are some things that God is looking and waiting to speak to you about, but he won't speak until he has your full and undivided attention. When's the last time God had your full and undivided attention? And I remember, listen, in talking about this, it may look different for you than it did for me. I don't know what, where you're at in life. Maybe quality time with God looks like, <laughs> looks like 
at the end of the day as you're laying in bed, right? I don't know what it looks like for you, but all I know is in this hour, it is an hour where God is saying, listen, I'm looking for your whole heart. I'm looking for an undivided attention and focus from you because I'm looking to pour out not just fresh fire, but I'm looking to pour out words that will sustain you in the seasons to come. He's looking to pour out fresh manna from heaven that you need to partake of and eat this day because you won't, you'll need it for the next. We cannot do this whole like you know, every once in a while, occasionally, I'm good. I've checked in last week. <laughs> He's after so much more because the hour we're living in requires it. And not only that, but I believe it's what he, it's what he died for. He died for all of you. He died for your whole mind. His, mind, his head was crushed by a th- crown of thorns so that his words would be the overarching words in your mind. That confusion and depression and worry and anxiety would not have the final say. That your hands would be clean, that the things that are, the deeds that are done in our flesh are a reflection of the burning heart we have for one man and that his name is Jesus. It says in Romans chapter 12. Paul is exhorting the church in Rome. And it's a pretty, this is a pretty familiar passage. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I believe that there's something, there was something in the heart cry of Paul that he knew he had to prepare the, the church in Rome. Let them know that, listen, just because you've said yes to Jesus, just because you've decided to follow him does not mean that living for him is not going to happen without a fight. And for some of us in here, we've, we've already, the option of turning back is no longer on the table. Praise the Lord. <laughs> that's, not, that's not an option in our life. Our yes to Jesus was a definitive yes and amen. I will follow you with all my heart. But let me tell you something. That doesn't mean that the day-to-day fight is not still there. For who, who rules over the affections and the directions of our heart and of our life? And I feel like Paul here is, he's letting them know, listen, just because you said yes, does it not mean that there's not a battle up ahead over your life? And he, you know, in Old Testament sacrifices, the fire of God used to, the fire of God falls on sacrifice. Amen? Fresh sacrifice. And the Old Testament, that burnt offering was burnt and it was burnt once and it was burnt good and there was nothing left, right? When they offered the Lord sacrifices on the altar. But in our day, and this is what Paul is exhorting the church in Rome, he's saying, listen, he's saying, it's not a one-time sacrifice that is necessary if you're gonna follow God, Jesus wholeheartedly with your whole life. 
You're going to have to daily, you're going to have to live in a continual state of placing your whole self on the altar. Because your body is not going to go down without a fight. Your flesh does not take well to surrendering to, uh, to surrendering to get up at five thirty to five, at five o'clock in the morning. Right? Your body does not surrender well to letting go of old habits or old relationships to follow Him. Right? Your, your old, your old mindsets do not take well to being surrendered to the truth of the Word of God. But He's saying, listen, It is an acceptable and pleasing sacrifice. And more than that, he says, I beseech you, I beg of you to do this. Because here's the the thing is that beneath our undergirded yes to God, I love it because, you know what, whenever, whatever we give up for him, whatever we put on the altar, whatever we lay at his feet, no matter how valuable it was to us at the moment, it is absolutely nothing compared to that which we gain. Because we gain him. We gain his presence. We gain glory. Glory. We gain fresh fire. We gain the very things our heart longs for. When that, when that bride is coming down the aisle, right? She's not looking at all the things that she's giving up. She's not thinking about all the things, right? All the guys that she could have been with or the guys that she might have married. She's thinking of the only one. She's looking at the one who she's getting ready to meet at the altar. Why? Because they don't compare at all to anything that that woman is about it to gain. Our loss is nothing compared to the gain of knowing and experiencing and fellowshipping and being intimate with God. And in that season when I was at Bible, at Bible school, I realized that God was after something much deeper than my sacrifice in the morning. And I feel like God is after something much more significant than whatever you can sacrifice to him in this season. Because he's looking for an undivided heart. Where we've got one thing as our focus where he's at the forefront of every decision, where eternity diminishes whatever temporal battle we're facing. And then I'm getting ready to close here. But one of the things that James says, you know, I said, God woke me up at Five in the morning, said James 4, 8, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. As he says, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands. You know, I think sometimes we're waiting on God to do what God is saying, listen, I've equipped you to do. He says, you cleanse your hands. You sinners, he says, purify your hearts. By the way, James is talking to the church here. He's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to the church. He says, you purify your hearts, you double-minded. He tells them, lament and mourn and weep and let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. 
humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. That verse always puzzled me. I'm like, God, why would you want me to be more, like, trade what I was happy with? And I, but, I'm, but the gist of it is, is that God is actually after those things that once brought us so much joy. And now when we come to him, we're seeing it in a different light. We're seeing it in a light of not something that, right? We're seeing it in a light of the fact that it's robbing us from actual intimacy with God. And I wanna encourage you that in this season, I feel like God's not, I mean, there's, there's blatant sin in our life, but I feel like God's also wanting to remind us that good things can become a distraction to our hearts just as easily. And I don't wanna allow anything to defer me from seeing his face in this season because I absolutely need it. And the band can probably come on up. I wanna close with this. One of the things that there's a, there, there, in the, in the um, 1800s, there was a British evangelist named Gypsy Smith. And wherever he went, revival would begin to break out. And one of the things, one time a reporter began to ask him, they're like, what is the secret? Like, what is the secret to revival breaking out wherever you go? And one of the things, this is what he told them. He said, he said, this is my secret. He said, you, this is how you do it. He said, go home, lock yourself in your room, kneel down in the, in the middle of the floor and with a piece of chalk, draw a circle around yourself. And there on your knees, pray fervently and brokenly that God would start a revival within that chalk circle. I feel like God is asking us to do things that he's equipped us to do in this hour. It's a laying aside of things that, like I said, may not necessarily even be bad, but it's just not beneficial to what he's doing right now. And he's looking for us to begin to stir ourselves up and seek him afresh and anew. And I'm not waiting on an emotion to do that. I'm not waiting. Listen, we've already had the green light from our Lord to seek him with all of our heart. There's, no, there's nothing that can hold us back except our own complacency and unwillingness to set apart ourselves unto him. You can have as much of God as you want. That's the truth. And I feel like in this hour, he's saying, listen, I'm looking, to, I'm looking to reinvigorate some relationships. I'm looking to pour out some fresh fire in this place this morning because I'm looking to invigorate and ignite some alone time with me where, you, where the first thing in your mind when you wake up is him, where the last thing when you go to bed is him. When you're walking in the grocery store, the thought in your mind is him and his people. And our, our focus is on things of eternal significance instead of, of temporal, of temp, and temporality. You know, it's funny because in Yosemite, 
They'd be actually a court about a century, almost a century into the fire falling in Yosemite off Glacier Point. They stopped it for this sole reason. They said, well, they said not only was it, you know, people coming, crowds were flocking at that late hour and they were destroying some of the fields in Yosemite, but they said it was mostly because of this one thing, that this man-made fire was an un natural part of a national park. And what's ironic is that just a few miles away every February at another mountain in Yosemite, they have this other thing called Firefall happen, same name. And about, and at the end of February at just the right time as the sun is going down, the sun hits this mountain and an actual waterfall and it literally appears, that's a picture of it, it literally appears as if it's on fire and yet this water is not consumed. It's a, it's a, it's a something that only God himself could do. And I feel like God is looking to pour out not a man-made, not a manufactured um fire in the hour that we're living in, but I am actually, I believe with all of my heart that God is looking to pour out a genuine experiential fire and glory experience upon our hearts and our lives because man-made stuff's not going to do it. Only God can. And I don't know about you, but we are living in a day and an hour where revival is not something we can live without. My heart cannot afford to go cold. Charles Finney, one of the things he used to say when his heart would grow cold was he said in times of of bringing and evangelizing people to Christ, he would sense this coldness begin to come over and overtake his heart. And one of the things he said was, he said he was not content to live in that state. And so he would turn aside from every activity he was doing. And it says that he would begin to seek the Lord afresh and anew through prayer and fasting until he plowed up, struck fire and met God. And that's the kind of hour we're living in with a place where we're living in a state of urgency because our King is coming. Awakening is coming. The sound of the bridegroom is on the move. And it's called, it's a time to rise. It's a time to trim our lamps. It's a time to watch for his coming. And it's a time to be filled with the fresh fire and oil of the Holy Spirit. So can you stand this morning? And ministry teams, you can make your way down to the front. I just feel this morning, we're going to just begin to ask the Lord for his fire to fall. God, we hunger and thirst for your fire to fall. For the authentic and genuine filling and falling of the Holy Spirit in this place. God, that you, Holy Spirit, would begin to remove any area of complacency and indifference and apathy towards the voice and to be wholehearted and obedient towards the leading of of, of the Holy Spirit. We just ask that you would come. Move among your people this morning. Holy Spirit, come.
Holy Spirit, come. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. I'm gonna pass it off to Brad here in a minute, but I also wanna, we're gonna, I wanna open up the altars um, that if you're looking, if you're here this morning and you're saying, I need a fresh touch from God because that place with him has become all too familiar. And I know he's asking for a place of fresh sacrifice because he's wanting to pour out fresh fire. I'm gonna open the altars up to you because I believe that God wants to encounter your heart afresh and anew. But I also wanna, I also wanna speak to, maybe you're in here this morning, you know, Jesus details in Luke, there's this story of a woman who has had, who has 10 silver coins. And it says one of those coins was lost. And it says that she takes a lamp and she searches throughout the entire house until that one lost coin was found. And it says, it says that she invites all of her friends over to rejoice with her because of that one coin that is found. Listen, and it goes on to say, listen, that, that it's the same as true. That the, that the angels and God rejoice over one sinner who repents. One, listen, you may be in the house this morning and you may be sitting here and you are lost where you sit. And I love the heart of God is that he's willing, he's willing, just like this woman, he's willing to search throughout this entire house this morning. And he's searching and he will search for you until he finds you. And if you're in here this morning and you have never surrendered your life to Jesus and you're sitting here and you know because there is, you feel lost this morning, God is speaking to you this morning and he wants you to know you are not lost you are his precious and valuable coin that he will unrelentingly search for until he has you all. And I wanna encourage you that if that's you this morning to come forth as well, surrender your heart to Jesus, surrender your life fully to Jesus. He wants to be the Lord of your life. He wants to erase everything that you've ever done wrong. He wants to put his spirit on the inside of you and fill you with the spirit of the living God so that you are equipped to not only live for him, but live the life that you were called to live. He wants you to spend eternity with him and it happens by surrendering your life to an almighty God who Jesus, who died for you, who paid the price for your sins to be removed, for your life to be forgiven, for your whole heart to be his. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Sunday sermon. Subscribe to our podcast for new messages weekly. Visit ChristianRenewalHHI.org for more resources. We hope you have a blessed week.